Welcome one and all to the I Didn't Know That podcast. This is a podcast that essentially expresses to the world how uninformed I am. I don't mind. Ignorance is not a character trait after all. There's always something new to be aware of, and so what am I supposed to pay attention to? So, in this podcast, it's my attempt to stop and examine something closely, poke and prod at it a little bit, and try to understand what it's all about. In the end, I'm looking for trends and patterns and knowledge that can provide an end run, maybe a a shortcut to an epiphany. So, do you know how billionaires Warren Buffett and Ron Barron made their billions? Well, it is, I've found, surprisingly simple. And there are just two practices that I now follow based on their experience. Investing. That's the topic of today's I Didn't Know That. The popular perception played out through TV and movie dramas such as Wolf of Wall Street, Margin Call, Boiler Room, Billions is of cigar clenched in teeth, shirt-sleeved roll traders climbing over each other in some kind of mosh pit of money? Not so. Investing is actually quite simple. And if the movie world paints an unreal image, so too does the spectacle and mystery surrounding investing. Terms and jargons such as margin, shorting, and dividend are somewhat accessible. But what's a P.E. ratio? EPS, ROE, TTM, MOTS, SG&A. The short of it is, you don't really need to know, and I certainly do not. I don't know. And perhaps with a bias, I don't believe anybody knows what the market going to do tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I know America's going to move forward over time. So that was the voice of the fourth wealthiest person in the world, Warren Buffett, CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, considered to be perhaps the most successful investor of any time, with a personal wealth of close to $90 billion. Listening to Warren Buffett speak, and that was at the annual general meeting of Berkshire Hathaway uh, in early 2020, I was struck by how often Buffett uses the phrase or the words, I don't know, or I'm not sure. It led me to realize that there is a, a basic principle, a basic idea about investing that I had completely missed. And that is that you, you never know year to year, month to month, day to day, or even decade to decade, how the markets are going to do and how you should invest your money. You never know that. However, Buffett does say at the end of that clip that over time, you can count on markets always returning an investment at a rate of about 8 to 10% per year is what I learned. And that's what led me to ETFs. So what uh, is an ETF? Well, an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. 
Essentially, when you buy a share in an ETF, you are buying a small piece of each of the top 500 companies on a particular stock exchange. Now, within those 500 companies, you, we know that some of them are going to go out of business. Some are going to fail miserably, and other companies are going to shine and make tremendous uh, profits and be very successful. When you buy an ETF, you don't have to try to guess which companies are going to win, which ones are going to lose, because when you own a piece of the entire exchange itself, because the entire exchange is going to make 8 to 10% per year on average, then you're going to make 8 to 10% per year on average, no matter what. And that's backed up historically. All you need to do is look back in time to uh, the, say, the um, New York Stock Exchange and over the last 80 years, and if you figure out the returns of the top 500 companies over the last 80 years, you can count on 8 to 10% per year being your return. And Warren Buffett has said exactly the same thing, that over time you can count on that. And that's why I have read and heard Warren Buffett also say that he, he will rarely, rarely, rarely sell uh, a share once he's bought into it, because what he is buying is, of course, the long-term 8 to 10%. So, I was put on to ETF funds by some friends of mine, and like me, they had pension plans and mutual funds, but they had become tired of seeing just tiny gains each year of just a few percent. And at the same time, we were seeing fees being taken by fund managers, and we began to question, well, what are we paying these people for? They're returning to us maybe 3 to 4% per year, in our pensions or on our mutual funds. And sometimes we would have a good year of 5 or 6%, but then there would be years too where they wouldn't make anything or they would lose money. So when I heard about ETFs and when I understood what Mr. Buffett was saying about, over time, the value of the exchange, it was thrilling to know that I could bypass the story that I had been told and just do this myself. So I'll describe a little bit about how I've come to do that. Um, well, first off, uh, you do need to sign yourself up for some brokerage house that allows you to invest your funds by yourself, not through a fund manager. And I'm not going to give you a particular recommendation because it really does depend on your own particular situation, uh, where your tax res residency is, and what the implications are. Uh, for example, uh, brokerage houses in Canada and Luxembourg and other places, when you sign up, you have to check some boxes to show them that you're not an idiot. And uh, But other places, the, the rules are stricter. Uh, Singapore, for example, you can sign up for um, a brokerage uh, house in Singapore. You do not have to be a resident of Singapore to do this. Neither do you have to be a resident of Canada or Luxembourg to sign up for the brokerage companies in those places. But there will be forms that you have to fill out that they're required to fill out, have you fill out by law, which makes sense. It's there to protect you. But that's the first step is to find one that is the right match for your particular situation. And the second thing, you're going to need some, some cash. You're going to need money. For myself, 
I found that money by closing off my pension and my mutual funds. And that was hard to do. A lot of people told me I was crazy to do that, and I didn't know what I was doing. From their perspective, I understand their thinking. So once you have some cash and you've opened an account, the next step is to decide, all right, which ETF should you buy? There are companies, three main companies, that create ETFs for us to purchase. And those companies are called Vanguard, iShares, and State Street. There are other companies that create ETFs. I've just given you the, the big three. Now, each company will have a menu of ETFs from which you can select one that you like. Um, most, uh, a lot of the ETFs or a lot of the popular ETFs that people invest in are based on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, such as VOO. That's the three-letter symbol for uh, an ETF fund from Vanguard. Um, another one is SPY from State Street. These are based on uh, the U United States Stock Exchange. But there is a world of choice available to you. Um, you don't have to base everything on the U.S. Uh, you can purchase an ETF uh, from iShares, for example, uh, based on emerging markets where they are buying little pieces of the top 500 companies in emerging market economies. Um, you can buy ETFs based on uh, worldwide developed economies, so a little bit from all around the world. And the ETFs are listed on the stock exchanges like the NYSE in the USA or the FTSE in London or the TSE in Canada and others. And depending on where you live, you might gain some certain tax advantages uh, by choosing wisely which ETF you want to purchase based on which exchange it's, it's sold on. Uh, iShares is an e one of the ETF companies that I like because they offer ETFs with a bit of an ethical bend to them. Companies, uh, they have ETFs that avoid certain companies in certain industries, such as uh, fossil fuels or tobacco. Now, uh, there are, you know, when the ETF is created, it does require a company to create them. And so uh, there are fees that you have to pay to these uh, ETF uh, companies when you buy their ETFs. But the fees are tiny. And that's because once the ETF has been created, there's very little work that goes into maintaining it. It's just simply tracking the top 500 companies on the exchange. So the... Uh, the fees that you're going to pay might be as low as something like decimal 0.08%, for example. When you compare that to the 3 or 4%, at least that's what I was paying on mutual funds and pension, this was a significant savings for me. And as well, it was letting me take charge. I could choose which ETFs I wanted to buy. I couldn't do that before with my mutual funds. I, I could choose a package, but within that package, I couldn't do much else. So that's the first practice that I've realized is that the ETFs let you follow a particular exchange and exchanges historically have earned 8 to 10%. So that's what you're going to earn too. Now, the second investment practice also follows on advice from Warren Buffett, but I've heard the same from Ron Barron and others. And that is always try to keep some cash available to take advantage of inevitable dips in the market, which are always going to happen. 
we know these historically. Of course, there's the famous 1929 uh, stock market crash, the Great Depression. But then, of course, we had stock market crashes in 1998. We had a stock market crash in 2008 and in the 80s as well. It's inevitable that there are going to be dips when the market is going to crash. And if you have some cash available, then what you can do at that time is take advantage of incredibly low prices on particular companies or even ETFs at that time. And uh, the advice that uh, Ron Buffett gives and Ron and sorry Warren Buffett gives and Ron Barron and others is that when you are going to make this kind of investment, you should be smart about it. You should know a little bit about the company that you're getting into. And uh, so it's not insider knowledge that you have, but you have a degree of confidence that you're going to have. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, for having worked in education before, um, I understand that industry somewhat. I understand the trends which are happening, and I have a sense of what, what education is going to look like in the future. So knowing a little bit about education helps me to understand which companies are probably going to be the ones that are making money through the education industry in the future. Likewise, uh, I used to work in the automotive industry involved with the selling and repairing of vehicles and car dealerships, and I have a, an understanding of how that whole industry is structured and how it works. Likewise, I used to work with aviation, and again, I have a sense of how that industry functions, uh, how money is made, how money is spent, what the trends are. So based on those three industries, I compiled a watch list of three to four companies for each. So that's about, you know, uh, 12 companies, a list of 12 companies. Now, to do that, I did need to get some help. And for idiots like me, I would recommend signing up for Morningstar, uh, Morningstar Premium. It's about 200 US dollars per year. And in fact, I didn't sign up for this uh, at all. It's just that it happened to be part of what my brokerage included and so for me, it was a bonus. And I didn't really even know much about Morningstar beforehand. But since I've had access to the Morningstar reports, it's been quite revealing. So uh, for Morningstar lets me read in-depth reports, and it gives me an easy-to-understand analysis of companies and ETFs. Morningstar, uh, they don't push any particular fund or stock. They just report out on some details. Now, there is a ton of jargon and technical language, and you can really drill down and get into some nitty-gritty, which I have happily avoided and happy to remain ignorant about that. But I do focus on just a couple of details so I can build my watch list. Um, what is the rating of the management team? And secondly, the current price of the stock, and whether it's above or below fair market value. This is exactly what Warren Buffett and others have given in their advice as well. Know something about the companies, particularly know about the management team, and also know about the industry that it's involved in, and then look at the current price of the stock and where it's at in, in relation to Morningstar's uh, fair market value. So then you just wait for that dip to come and then buy as much as possible as you can. You have to be patient. Now, I did this. Uh, I, I learned all of this back in the summer of 2019. And I started to make the steps 
to open the brokerage. And I, I got that open by about August of uh, 2019. And I was out of my pension and out of my mutual funds ar around that time. So I had some cash available. And so then I just waited. I waited for that dip. And so I had to be patient because there were days when I would see a certain, you know, on my watch list, I would see a certain share dropped and I would think, okay, this is it. But it was never significant. It was only just a few percentage down. It wasn't the kind of dip that Warren Buffett was talking about. It wasn't that 1929 dip. It wasn't that 10, 15 or 20 percent drop. It was just a, a small little dip. So I had to hold on to my emotions and then wait. And, um, for example, on my watch list is Tesla. And at the time, you know, I, I understand that company and I, I believe in the company and I can see the trend that's happening in automotive. Uh, it, we are definitely having to move away from fossil fuel. And so I wanted to buy Tesla, but when I looked up the details on Morningstar about Tesla, they were saying at the time that the fair market value for the for the stock was, I believe at that time, was about $730. Tesla shares at that time were above that. They were eight, $900, something like that. So um, I knew that I just had to wait. And sure enough, uh, as predicted, uh, something happens. You never know when, but something is going to happen to the markets. And it happened in March of 2020. Uh, everything fell and Tesla dropped to $360, along with everything else. And so at that time, there was the dip I was waiting for, and I jumped in. I got as much Tesla as I can afford. I got as much of the ETFs as I could afford at that time. And today, uh, last I, I checked the stock, it was over $1,000 per share in Tesla. And likewise, the ETFs have made considerable gain in that time. I still have cash available for the next dip when it comes and I keep accumulating cash when I can from my from my salary so that I, I've got that money but it hasn't since March 2020 there hasn't been another drop yet and I don't know when it's going to come and as Warren Buffett said many times you just don't know when it's going to happen but it is going to happen at some point so be ready for it so um and as Buffett suggested, I'm not going to sell my Tesla or any other share. I'm not going to get rid of them. Uh, I'm not going to get rid of my ETFs either. Uh, because what would be the point? The whole idea of having these investments, and particularly the ETF, is I know that I'm going to make 8 to 10% per year. In other words, I can take out 10% of my investment in ETFs each year and use that as part of my, my living wage. And I could do the same with Tesla as well and still keep that principal investment and all the gains that I get from it as time goes on. Now, there are always reports in the news about some impending doom about to descend upon the market, and there's going to be cyclical events to, to make you think you better get out before you lose it all. So this is where you have to think about it and just hold your emotions. I mean, since the 1940s, We've had a world war, the Korean War, the war in Vietnam, the 1987 financial crisis, the 1997 financial crisis, 9-11, the 2009 housing market crisis, SARS, MERS, COVID-19, Black Lives Matters protests. And so each of those have led to a dip in the market of some degree or not. The one thing assumed is, however, in all of this as both Buffett and Barron have said many times, 
is this underlying belief that the American-style capitalism is going to continue as it has. Now, whether that is in and of itself a good thing is perhaps a topic for another episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time and hope you found something useful. I also appreciate thoughts and feedback. I put time into research and value accuracy. So if I've made a misstep, let me know. You can reach out on Twitter at I didn't know that five or send a message through anchor.fm forward slash I didn't know. I post new episodes when I can as time permits and circumstances allow. Take care.